Our new host, our host for this second segment is Sheila Young. Thank you, Sheila. And our streamer for this segment is John Gassman. And our facilitators for this second segment, who, who will be with you for the next two hours, are Patty Slobby, who is on the, a member of the Braille Revival League board and probably no stranger to a lot of us, and Lucy Edmonds, who, if you will have any involvement at all in ACB community, you know Lucy uh, and all of her. <laughs> her. I've never seen anybody with as much enthusiasm. About and begin by telling us why Braille matters to National Braille Press. Uh, I'd be happy to. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you, everyone, for having us be part of this great event. Um, I, I, I want to start by just saying that if anyone is unfamiliar with National Braille Press, uh, just as Samuel was speaking, National Braille Press is a nonprofit producer and publisher of Braille and tactile materials. And our mission is totally focused on Braille literacy. Um, it, uh, I, I'm not going to read it to you, but it, it basically says that we empower the blind and visually impaired with programs to, and technology, too, to support Braille literacy and learning through touch. And I say that because we also talk about tactile literacy, not just Braille literacy. But in, in reference to the question, why does Braille matter? Um, you know, I, I think all of you have experienced this, but I, I want to bring it to context before I answer it in more detail. Often, very often, when people find out what I do, they, you know, from the general public, you know, they know what Braille is, but they don't really think about what it means in reference to literacy. And and they're the same ones that will say, uh, well, is it necessary in today's digital world? And they call it a language. And, you know, you say, no, it's a code. And you start educating them about the value of Braille. And then it kind of clicks a little bit with them. And one of our outreach goals is to reach that general public of the United States and inform them about Braille literacy. And we actually did a 30-second PSA that the Comcast network aired over all the channels for over a year. It might even still be going. I haven't checked recently. But, you know, the more they know, it helps us for keeping Braille top of mind for universal designs, for products, for corporate materials. So that's something in a very intangible way that can help all of us in trying to get the word out about Braille and Braille literacy. But NBP... Yes, it's our middle name. We we don't just believe it. We know that it matters. Uh, since our founding in 1927, 
there are basic mission tenets that are timeless. And the first one is prayer literacy for children. You know, by definition, it's the only way that a blind child can read and write. And we all know the value it has for learning languages and, and STEM subjects as they get older. However, I want to start with early readers because if you think about it, at an early age, sighted kids get exposed to literacy passively They're, from seeing their parents reading or writing grocery lists to TV, newspapers, seeing billboards and street signs on a car ride. And our first program that connects with this is called Read Books Because Braille Matters. Uh, some of you, I'm, I'm sure, may have heard of it, but we call it, we start with what we call bumpy basics, <laughs> where we, we make a tactile connection with braille dots to reading. So it's very early, you know, from birth to three years of age, basically, where we want parents to have this kind of free book bag, we don't charge for it, that um, is an introduction to braille for the parents so they can help develop the literacy connection for their child to begin reading Braille. We also, as Samuel was saying, um, have manipulatives for children, um, you know, a simple maze that's tactile or animals with a thick thermoform. I've played with 3D printing. We're not currently using that method, uh, but uh, we have a similar interest in having manipulatives at that point too. Uh, and, our, and our read books bags, as we call them, because they come in a book bag, go from age groups from birth to three or four to five or six to seven depending on when that child either hears about our program or maybe loses vision later in in their age or something so we have different materials in each bag depending on the age appropriate uh, of that student um, this also segues into our children's braille book club you know that we started back in 1983 you know we select popular uh, award-winning children's books and, you know, add the clear Braille content, you know, as Samuel does at Clovernook and, you know, print Braille books for Africa, he was just referencing. And it's a perfect way for a child to learn to read Braille with their parents. I mean, we all know if you get a child excited about the joy of reading, that path to literacy will last a lifetime. The stories stimulate their imagination, their emotions with heroes and heroines, and, you know, they overcome challenges. It just introduces them to everything you want for history and times and cultures. And in today's technology-driven, fast-paced society, I sound really old saying this, it gives parents and their child a pause on that hectic world around us, where they can sit down with their child and have them really just go into a world of learning to read and the enjoyment of reading. And we've received so many countless testimonials from parents about their child's excitement and joy to read their very first Braille book with our club. I was in a break room uh, at work and overheard two of our proofreaders at lunch talking about reading books for pleasure. Um, and I and I was getting my food ready, but listening to them, I didn't interrupt. But one of them said, I thought it was so appropriate to say that they preferred reading Braille so they can use their own imagination to create the setting and the voice of the characters versus hearing something on an audiobook. And that's exactly what we try to emphasize. Look, I'm not against audiobooks. We we have we use multi-modal things for learning, I, but I, I think that proofreader's perspective was really interesting for me to hear that. It's also fun to meet adults that grew up with that Children's Braille Book Club, and we have many blind grandparents participating now so they can read bedtime stories to their sighted grandchildren. So it's, it's, been, it's really been fun. I've been here over almost 16 years at National Braille Press, and I've, I've seen some of these students grow up as well to become early adults now. Um, since I've been here. 
And our approach continues, obviously, with Braille literacy for adults. We recognize that Braille is an important employment and general independent living skill, of course. Um, we publish original Braille books for adults to support lifelong learning. And these works can cover a broad range of topics written by blind authors expressly for blind people, books on technology. We've done all kinds of books on iOS and Microsoft, Android, you know, how to use PowerPoint or Excel. We do health, cooking, travel, leisure activities, puzzle books. We just recently did one on how to interpret your blood work that's been really popular. Plus we do our own, you know, annual peanuts, braille calendar, holiday cards, Valentine <laughs> cards coming up, you know, braille magnets, a map of the USA is really popular right now and other products in our online store. But as I, I was listening uh, and the question to Samuel about is braille on the decline and what can be done about it, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to respond to some of that because I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying this is my opinion. Okay. Um, the decades old data claiming a 10% literacy rate, in my opinion, was misinterpreted and how one defined literacy was inconsistent, if defined at all. Um, similarly, the APH quota fund data should not be used to define real literacy rates either. Again, this is in my opinion. Now, I think I wouldn't be surprised that uh, Samuel uh, was referring to an article published in JVIB that discuss these conflicts in data interpretation. I think it was in early 2022. I know one of the authors, but I, and I remember when she was launching it, um, but it was titled, How Many Braille Readers, Policy, Politics, and Perception. And um, I, if anyone has interest, they could certainly look it up on JVIB. Uh, Rebecca Sheffield, Francis Dandria, the late Valerie Morash, and, and Sarah Chatfield were the uh, authors on it. But I do know of a couple informal surveys that have been done in the recent times. One had about 800 respondents. And I won't reference this source today because um, I don't have permission and it wasn't us. But the data showed a much more optimistic look on Braille literacy rates. And there seems to be, again, this is not scientific, but there seems to show a 40-year age, 40 age point where Below 40, there's a much higher literacy rates. And above 40, um, with baby boomers losing vision and, and not learning Braille, it skews the overall average of Braille readers. But that data had a much higher percent of, of um, like roughly 36% Braille readers, 24% functional Braille, and 40% not reading Braille at all. That seems high to me, but it gives me optimism that, as, as Samley was saying uh, in the prior presentation that um, I don't believe is 10% in any way. And I think uh, we have hope that it's going to continue to grow with technology and support and training. Nevertheless, without any official published surveys, we at National Braille Press just motor on in regard to what we are doing to help improve literacy rates. We'll continue to expand and provide our Braille literacy programs, which are for free. We're switching them all to free as, as fast as we can uh, so that future generations do have the tools they need to succeed. And we, I will add, though, that we've recently started a new initiative that we hope will also help. Um, look, there's significant challenges in our education system in the United States today, and we all know that. There's a, there's a shortage of teachers across the country. Teachers are leaving the field before retiring. Less students are choosing education as a major in college, and, and the demographics are certainly skewed toward older teachers 
that'll be retiring faster than they can be replaced. Now, when you focus on TVIs, we also have known for a long time there's been a shortage of, of them. And, and then from a budget perspective, school resources are often very limited. So in 2020, during one of our internal strategic planning sessions, I mentioned that National Bureau Press has always provided programs to support rural literacy that was end user focused. And we wanted to do some vertical integration where we could explore helping TVIs so that they could better support their students in teaching Braille and tactile literacy. So we did a survey in 2021 of TVIs that were working with approximately 2,500 students. And we found some alarming, but not really surprising data. 98% um, of the respondents said they didn't have all the resources they need to teach Braille. 44% said that they never had any training in creating tactile graphics. 31% said they had never had any training in assistive technology. 7% said they were barely proficient in reading Braille. 12% said they never did read Braille. And 12% said they were not required to learn Braille in their training. So, you know, that, that kind of confirmed what we thought, at least I was a little surprised with the Braille part for the teachers, but um, the other parts were not surprising to us. So National Bar Press successfully launched a pilot program to support TVIs with three backpacks, you know, teacher resource kits basically that we called Braille Ignition Kits. And there were four categories, Braille of course, tactile graphics, STEM materials, and assistive technology. We received funding from two grantors for two years to launch this initial pilot program. Um, the re results have been very, very positive, and we're working to permanently offer this program and support TVIs in their efforts to teach Braille and, and tactile graphics. Um, we, we late, actually next Monday, I believe, we'll be sending out a survey to all the recipients over these past two years to get additional feedback on the content of the kits, and to find what other suggestions or items they could be added to improve the program. And it's hoped that, you know, supporting TVIs in this small way will help students in the long run as well for, you know, Braille and tactile literacy. In addition, Brian, can you talk a little bit about your Touch of Genius awards that you do? Because they are just amazing. I, I will. In fact, that kind of segues into this because um, it is related to what we're talking about so far. You know, National Braille Press is committed to producing, you know, paper Braille books for as long as there's a demand. Maybe 50 years from now, it may be different. It will be digital everything. But we want to ensure that Braille is available in any digital e-Braille format and to ensure that access to Braille is always included and available with emerging hardware platforms and AI technologies that evolve. This is what our Center for Braille Innovation does, which is a virtual commitment, uh, not a bricks and mortar building, uh, from many volunteers and myself that, that founded it to search for opportunities in this area. Um, and the Touch of Genius Prize is part of that um, umbrella un under the Center for Braille Innovation. So for, for 16 years, we've had this prize called a Touch of Genius for Innovation that we give out annually um, that it has a $10,000 purse um, it's awarded to a project that shows the most innovative idea in the field of Braille or tactile literacy. Uh, winners and applicants have submitted projects for professional software, for uh, apps for education, gaming, learning apps that are fun, Braille or tactile related hardware, including sophisticated equipment, 
Um, and this is the only prize that I know of, at least, to foster and reward innovation in the area of Braille and tactile literacy for blind and, and the deafblind community. And innovators, uh, we've been around for 16 years. It's not a huge prize, of course, but it is getting pretty well known. And we've had applicants from all over the world apply every year. Um, it was founded in 2007. I do want to thank the Gibney Family Foundation that helped us get it started and support us for a long time. And, and I'm also grateful to acknowledge the Lavelle Fund that is currently funding the project uh, for us now. Um, these products of hardware and curriculums offer always ways to support Braille learning and, and Braille for communication, too, and, and education and work. So I, I run, run the program. I've mentored and partnered with many of these past winners to help them bring some of these products to market. And I'll, I'll give you just a, a few examples. Um, this past year, 2023 winner was a, a point on point was Gregory Hargraves. And he had a, a small team with, uh, from the university in London, and it's called the Page Connect. And it's ingenious. When, and uh, Sam, if Sam's still listening, um, I'm actually going to Clovernook uh, January 30th to meet with Chris, and uh, I'm sure I'll have a tour with Sam and everything. But um, I can tell you that this Page Connect is amazing for one reason. It takes the traditional tank, the Perkins Braille Writer, that is still used. We have money in our building still and around the world, but it has a, it takes a base uh, off the original Braille writer with a, a board, basically a circuit board that converts the Braille typing presses digitally on an app directly into um, an output that can be saved as a file. It can be used on phones. It can be and it immediately also translate it, you know, directly into a print version. And and it's he's I'm working with Greg uh, actually now, and I'm, I'm actually meeting with Perkins next week to talk about a, a bunch of things, uh, including this. And um, it it we're not sure of an exact price yet. He's still looking at mass production and all that, but it, it might only cost like sixty pounds or something like that. I mean, extraordinarily different price. It could make a big difference in the world. So that was very exciting this past year's winner. Um, the year prior to that was a, a company called Four Blind, which uh, Fedor Belomov is actually from St. Petersburg, Russia originally. He now lives in Canada, but he created the Haptobraille Communicator, which was a phone size hardware that has a Braille keyboard on the front of it uh, facing away from you where you could type on it. And it has buttons on it that actually allow a speech conversion and receiving speech. So if I was a, a deafblind person, I could type on the Braille keyboard on the front of it, hi, my name is Brian, can you help me? And then the person in front of me could press a button and dictate into that, what do you need? Or my name is George. And then it would vibrate the, the keys and return and back translate that audio into a, a tactile vibration on the keyboard to read. And, uh, and it was quite, it worked really well and it was quite amazing and it astonished our adjudication committee. So we've had very unique products like that. Uh, Thailand was the winner before that, a reed ring, which is like a mouse size refreshable braille display with a wheel that rotates as you move from left to right and it will repopulate the braille as you, with optical scanning to read what's under you or by an app that can descend the content to you and you move left to right and it wrote 
the Braille rotates and and refreshes as you roll it from left to right. That's still in not in production yet for the market, but showed a very interesting promise. So we've had a lot of fun uh, and other ones you may have heard of, like the tactile caliper, which we was many years ago from India, which is a ruler that has refreshable mechanical braille on the slider. So you measure between the two jaws and it'll tell you the accuracy to the 16th of an inch. Um, and we sold hundreds and hundreds of those to schools and TVIs. But um, we've done a lot of great products like that over the years. Um, educational ones, many of you probably know of Marty Schultz, uh, Objective Ed, and he's doing Braille Buddies now. Uh, he won in the past. Uh, the Braille Me won. Uh, the Canute, uh, many of you might have heard of from the UK. Uh, we did a pocket Braille periodic table. You know, all, uh, the Can Doables, you know, many of you might have heard of that. Little 3D printed Braille labels for soup cans and, you know, different size cans that just snap on. So it, it, it's, what drives me on this, we changed the criteria that digital technology or hardware technologies are also the future we want to keep abreast of. And this 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 prize introduces me to a lot of those people in, in the world, both private companies, universities, researchers, so that we can keep abreast of new possible emerging uh, technologies that can happen. I met with the at MIT, there's a, a huge nano program there. So I met with uh, the head of that program and showed them refreshable Braille displays and talked about the cost. And um, and I'm hoping that we can reconnect since he has 600 projects going on in that building right now. It's amazing what's going on there from all over the world. But um, I did. I think we piqued his interest that um, he wants to help try and find a way to make a much more affordable digital approach to refreshable Braille technologies. Uh, I'll me, give you some perspective. Go ahead. Our time is just about up. Oh my so God, it is. I'm I know. Sorry. Right, so if, if you could, <laughs> if you could just give out your contact information and the website for NBP, that'd of be course. great. I'm sorry. I wasn't looking at my clock. That's um, okay. So it's Brian McDonald, which is B MacDonald, M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D at NBP, National Braille Press, NBP.org. Um, and, um, that, that will always work. I'm sorry I went long. I wanted to allow for questions and I lost track of time. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. Oh, my gosh. National Braille Press always has so many exciting projects going. So thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, and happy World Braille Day. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Okay. Now we're going to move south, and we are going to see how the sun shines on our Braille Revival League of Florida affiliate. And the president, um, Elizabeth Bowden, will be speaking to us. She also is the one who embosses our newsletter for the Braille Revival League. So she is very much into Braille. So, Elizabeth, I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay. Good afternoon, everybody, or good morning, wherever you are. Happy Braille birthday for Lewis Braille. Um, you know, I was looking back at our history because I was one of the first secretaries of our affiliate, and I just discovered that our affiliate's 11 years old. So I was real happy to figure that out. Of course, I'm a little slow on time and other things like that. So <laughs> you could do it. Um, I'm sure people figured it out way before I did. But... Um, I want to thank all of our members 
and especially the ones um, that are instrumental in doing a lot of the things that we do. Um, like a lot, other, a lot of other affiliates, we kind of slowed down um, due to COVID, but we're speeding up. So I'm going to go a little backwards. I'm going to tell what we're doing now. And then I'll go back in time and do, you know, some of the things that we've done previously. So now we have some of our members that are helping. They have a Braille club in Florida, um, Braille club of the Palm Beaches, and they are teaching Braille to people. So I, you know, have stepped in on some of those and enjoyed those um, sessions a lot. We had some people that were learning and we even had a mobile learner who turned it on on Zoom in her car while she was um, going from place to place. I think she's going to try to be a, a teacher's aide TBI or something like that. Um, and that was very enjoyable. We also have had um, one of our life members, Mr. Paul Kurtz, has donated massive amounts of time um his effort and also you know some money to enabling the nls to have i don't know how many billions of musical scores and he you know did that project and got in touch with them and he sends they he and someone else translate the music scores and they have done a lot of books and things like that it's very fascinating Another thing that we did was um, we found out which company produced the Braille uh, toiletries for motels, uh, body wash, shampoo, and lotion, and we decided that we wanted um, to be able to have uh, Braille labels on our stuff when we went to convention. So we got that. Um, working we've always had braille labels since about ooh, 2015 or something like that and we also got um the acb in line with us and they even had them for some of their conventions as well so we feel proud that that we you know had a part in some of that we hope to um do more uh for the last three or four years or maybe more because i lost count We've done um, Braille presentations during our conventions that everybody has enjoyed. And I want to thank um, mostly Paul Edwards for helping me out doing those. It was a pleasure and a joy. Um, and we want to uh, figure out new ways to show people how wonderful and exciting and fun Braille can be throughout daily life. So that's what we're working on now. And I want to thank the Braille Revival League of Florida for, I mean, I'm sorry, the Braille Revival League for um, allowing me to produce the um, the memorandum. It was a, it's a joy and an honor to do that. And I want to also thank all of our team, myself, <clears throat> Mae Davis, Jane Corona, and our um, editor, Ralph Smitherman. It's really a joy to work with everybody, and I'm, I'm having so much fun and learning about what the Braille Revival Legal does. 
while I'm doing it. Thank you very much. Elizabeth, does your affiliate have a newsletter? No, we don't have a newsletter, um, but our our state affiliate does. And so when we uh, when we want something to be uh, publicized, we do that. We put it in the newsletter, and then we also have a mailing list that um, our members can join um, to learn about those. If you would like more information about our affiliate, you can go to www.fcb.org. That's F as in Frank, C as in Cat, B as in Bravo. Dot org and look up um, chapter and affiliate pages, and you'll see the Braille Revival League of Florida page under that. And my information is on there. All right. Any more questions, uh, Patty? Not. I don't have any. Do you have any? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Just want to thank you so much, Elizabeth, for coming and speaking to us. And uh, I love to hear about the different state affiliates of, of BRL. <laughs> um, well, right before I came on, I figured out that there was probably people all over the world that I was going to be talking to. And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for having me. It's been great. <laughs> great. I've thank you. a lot. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, our next presenter is familiar to many, many of us. You've heard her on, on various um, National Library um, presentations, and she's been at conventions, and so a lot of us are familiar with her. And uh, Tamara Rory, who is the head of the Patron Engagement Section at National Braille Press, is, is going to talk to us about um, the, the ver variety of Braille formats at NLS. And I'll National, let Tamara yeah. begin, and then I may have some questions if she runs out of things to talk about. Oh, Okay, okay Tamara. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because I, I was thinking to myself, I don't know what I'm going to talk about because between Frank Welty and Samuel <laughs> Fuchs and all these other people, they keep stealing my thunder. But you know me, I can always come up with something. So um, thank you so much for having me today and for having me at this program. I always enjoy speaking to the Braille, um, Braille Revival League, and I certainly am thrilled to be here on World Braille Day and to talk about how Braille matters, because it most certainly does. Um, I'm here today representing NLS, and NLS has been one of the organizations at the cornerstone of Braille development and implementation practically from the beginning. You know, in 1919, the Library of Congress began work in conjunction with the World, the Red Cross to create, implement, and support um, a program for teaching cited volunteers who wanted to make Braille available to, you know, to blind readers. This was once the the conflict between New York Point and all the other varieties of Braille was settled. Um, and so they finally figured out that now that we've got this settled, somebody needs to teach people how to transcribe so we can get some things in Braille. In 1931, the Pratt-Smoot um, Act was 
create created the division of um NLS National Library Service at that time it was for the blind and physically handicapped and it's the same division that I now work for uh, of the Library of Congress the division was devi- devised as a service um to provide books through mail across the country and these books were at that time in braille and only in braille audio did not come into play for three to four years after the nls got started so nls started with braille um in the 1940s the red cross left the collaboration they originally were collaborating with us on the on the sort of braille certification program and they left the collaboration and the program became the official Braille certification and translation certification and training program that NLS still administers today, and that is recognized as the only official certification uh, for for Braille transcribers and proofreaders. Since right in that area, there, Tamara, mm-hmm. do you have enough certified transcribers, you know, to meet the demand that's out there? Well. You know, it's my personal opinion that there is never enough. <laughs> um, let me mention a couple of uh, things about the certification program. Um, you know, originally it was designed to certify people and it was a volunteer. Uh, it, it basically certified volunteers. That's who was doing Braille for us. And that's who, you know, did Braille for the schools. Now, we mainly certify people we certify anybody who applies that meets the criteria but the people who are applying these days are people who are paid professionals that want to learn braille so that they can then be paid by producers such as mbp or or cph or aph to provide braille we also certify um many people who are in prison who are some of our some of the best transcribers you can find over 70% of the people we certify today are people who are from one of the over 40 prison programs that uh, are out there across the country that that do Braille. So we have a lot of prison programs that are doing Braille, and a lot of those people, um, when they are released, come out and are contractors for some of our producers. But to answer your specific question, there are never enough Braille transcribers. Um, Braille transcribers, you know, now that we have software that will do Braille, you don't need so much um, transcribing, but you still need them for proofreading. They still need to know, you know, we still need someone who knows the format. We still need to know someone who knows the nuances and who can pick up on little tiny things that may or may not be um, correct. Um Continuing with a little bit more of a history, in 1962, that was about 61 years ago, is when NLS started uh, distributing Braille music nationally. And again, this is done via via um, mail, the mail system. And today we have one of the largest Braille music collections in the world. So we, we um, continue to be at the forefront with regard to uh, distributing Braille and and creating various Braille. Now, in 1999, many of you will recall that's when we implemented a program called Web Braille, and this was one of the first available downloads for Braille. This was, you know, the very early 1999, 2000, when uh, 
we were all learning to use computers and figuring out that maybe we could do things electronically. Um, this program allowed all the patrons who had access to download Braille volumes to use on their personal Braille displays. And I say who had access because a lot of people did not, you know, but those who did used it, used it thoroughly and, they, and still do for this, for that matter. Um, the web Braille program was the precursor to the Braille audio and reading download service that we have. That service came into being in 2006, but Braille wasn't added until 2012. And so originally people were still using for six years, people were still using um, web Braille, even though we had this program called BARD, which was a Braille audio and reading download service. But in 2012, we integrated the Braille into um, into the service, and now you can get all of your services from NLS from one place, and that's our BARD website. Um, I'd like to say that that this brings us to what I'm what I call the um, current day actions or the renaissance of Braille at NLS. As I said, you know, NLS started in 1931. We started with Braille. Uh, we had Braille for two or three years, and then audio came along. And before you know it, audio had usurped Braille. Why? Because it's cheaper, because there are people who who aren't, you know, avid Braille readers but could listen to audio uh, more easily. Many reasons. But the bottom line is, is that uh, in the, I don't want to say early 2000s, I guess 2010, 11, 12, somewhere in there, uh, we started having a resurgence of Braille. We had a a Braille um, a Braille conference. We did a lot of things to try to promote Braille, and we started working on getting our laws changed so that we could eventually provide a Braille display for users to use uh, for our patrons to use. And in nineteen. 2016, <laughs> our uh, law was changed so that we could then provide Braille displays. And of course, several years after the law was changed, we were able to start doing that. We immediately after the law changed, we put out a bid for two, well, we put out a bid for one um, manufacturer to produce a braille display based on our requirements we ended up with two one of which you know well which is humanware and the second of which you probably don't know as well which was the zoomax company so we did finally get both of those units created and developed based on the criteria that we set forth and in 2020 in the heart of the pandemic we released the first braille displays to our first four libraries i'm really happy to tell you that um, as of the end of 2023 every single state now has access to the e-reader one or the other not both um, you have access to the e-reader if you want one you can call your state library they should be able to send you one if they can't, it's not because they don't have them. It's because they decide or when and how they're going to send them out. So I encourage you to please contact your library to get one of those e-readers um, and, you know, work with it. Let us know what you think about it. 
the e-readers have the same basic features. They all have our 20-cell Braille displays. They all have um, SD card slots. They all have USB um, capability so that you can then so that you can then um, connect to your computers and use JAWS or NVDA to, to read your computer screens. Um, they both will connect to your iPhone and you can then use it to read um, materials that are on your iPhone or to read and write um, information, for example, in the note, notes section or, or in your email. So, Chairman, oh, do, do you think that the, the, with all these changes, you know, that with that Braille on demand, which you probably touch on real quickly, but mm -hmm. do you think NLS will significantly reduce the number of, of new hard copy books? Um, no, we're, you know, what we, and, and actually I'm glad you mentioned Braille on demand because I was going to talk about that. We have a, what we call a Braille modernization project. Um, it's one of our, one of the five initiatives at NLS. So it's, it's major and it's supported by the leadership. It's supported by the leadership of the Library of Congress. And one of those, um, one of it, one of the projects under the Braille initiatives is the Braille on Demand project, which, you know, I was going to talk about, but everybody else has. So I won't, unless people have questions, I'll just encourage you to use it. Um, but point of the project is not to reduce Braille hard copy as much as it is to provide multiple ways to um, provide materials to people for one. And number two, you know, with the advent with our e-reader now and with Braille on demand and with the Miracash project, these are all ways that we can add more content to um to bard and to and make available for you we will still be doing uh, braille we will still make it available in hard copy there's always going to be people who you know can't get access to any other means of braille and they need hard copy so our plan at this point is not to do away with hard copy our plan is to increase the number of braille volumes available to to all does that answer your question yes, yes. okay Okay, so talking about our Braille modernization program and our, our different initiatives, um, the one is Braille on Demand. And the only thing I will say about Braille on Demand, uh, please feel free to write us at nlspes at loc.gov if you don't know where to find the Braille on Demand form so that you can order a Braille book. Or you can always, always, always call your, your local library. They should be able to place that order for you if they need to. The other thing I'll say is that the books that you can order are books that are in Braille on BARD. If it's not in Braille, we cannot send it out. We don't transcribe books. We only create uh, emboss books that are already in Braille. We've had a lot of requests for audiobooks, which is why I'm making that point. Um, some of the other things that we're doing, though, uh, the Braille on Demand has been so, so popular. I'm so glad we we started doing that. But we've we've tried to um, increase the magazine offerings in Braille that, you know, that people try to give people more of what they want. Two of the most popular magazines that we've that we've um started doing in the past two years. One was the Interweave Knit, it's a knitting magazine. And then the other is 
the um, Sunday Dale puzzle, which is very popular amongst those really smart people who do crossword puzzles very well. Uh, I get the magazine, but I have yet to finish one of the puzzles. <laughs> they are not easy puzzles. Um, we're always looking for other ideas and uh, we have several ideas in mind of things we want to do. Some of you've heard about them. The calendars is yet an, a third idea, um, which we are, st I'm still waiting for my calendar. I don't know about the rest of you, but um, once we get it rolling, it's going to be great. Um, some of the other projects that we're working on, we have, we, we have a mixed content project and that project has taken several forms, some of which have happened and some of which have, are yet to, to happen. But the part that ha has started happening, um, we have been doing books that have audio and braille content and so some of the examples would be uh, we've done several foreign language books that teach you spanish or french or whatever the language is but the book may be in audio so that you can listen to the language and learn to speak it but then the supplemental material is available in braille so that you can then read the materials, do the exercises, see how the words are spelled. So that's one of the mixed content materials that we're doing. We're looking at doing some mixed graphics content where you can download the you can download the Braille on your e-reader, but have the graphics sent to you in hard copy. Um, that is a very popular program that we're looking at. Um, you know, one of one of the there's a lot of issues with how to make that work. We're always open to suggestions, and uh, we're hoping to get that off the ground this year. If um, So just kind of look out for some of those things. And we'll be announcing, I always try to announce any new project that NLS is doing, Braille or not, on the patron announce list. So, um, you know, if you're not signed up for that, please do sign up, and uh, that will let you know of everything going on at NLS at all times. Um, did someone have a question? Okay. Uh, from the audience or? No, I thought I heard okay. somebody. I thought I heard somebody with a question, but maybe not. I don't think so. Okay. So, you know, um, it's important. Braille has always been very important to NLS. I think that that Braille is the type of um, thing that can get lost in the weeds because we do, you know, we we try to cater to all needs at NLS. We have a lot of people uh, who lost their sight later in life and haven't learned Braille. Um, we have a lot of people, you know, who don't read Braille as much because of the fact that they don't want to um, get hard copy Braille, which is why we are now offering um, the electronic Braille. This year, one of our, one of our, um, goals this year one of our my particular goals is to work um to develop programs that we can address with children so because i do believe that if you start children reading early they will always read so i think it's very important that we you know um get braille to the students and and in order to do that you have to reach the parents so be don't be surprised when i reach out to the uh, to you, ACD parent group, <laughs> to uh, talk to you about Braille reading. But you not only have to reach the parents, but you also have to reach the TVIs, the 
people who are teaching Braille because, you know, if you go to school and someone says to you, well, Braille's not that important. Oh, it's more important that you just, here, you can just listen and we'll get to the Braille later. Those are the things that that end up with people who don't read Braille well or don't learn Braille when they really need to be learning it. So those are, so, you know, we have a lot of different um ideas about things that we want to do this year. And I'm sure that because you all are very closely aligned with Braille, you'll be hearing about all of them and you'll be having me reach out to you um, for a variety of things. Um, if you have any questions for me, you can always reach me um, directly through NLS at NLSPES at LOC.gov. That's our, our my patron engagement section email address. Um, some of you have my work email address, and I don't mind giving it to you if you don't. So it's T-R-O-R-L-O-C.gov. Um, Jane would be happy to forward any emails to me from uh, any that you send through um, through the treasury at BrailleRevivalLeague.org. And anybody else who wants to contact me and has another way to do so, feel free to do so. I'm always happy to hear from you, especially if it's about Braille. We do have a few minutes left. If there are any questions, we could probably take a couple of questions from the audience maybe, but please limit it to questions about Braille services through NLS. All right, we have a hand. I believe it's Mary Beth. Yes, you're right. Hi, Tamara. Hi, Mary Beth. Thank you for the quick question about what you see um, for the future of the e-readers, do you see it eventually moving to, you know, one contact? And I'm not asking for specifics, but just out mm -hmm, of curiosity, mm -hmm. do you see it eventually going one way or the other? Thanks. Yeah. Um. Originally, our plan was to have one e-reader. <laughs> you know, having two e-readers is hard. Um, we have to support two different ones. They they operate. They may do the same things, but they operate differently. So it is very hard to support two e-readers, which is why one of the things that we've, we've tried to do is make sure that libraries only support one. Basically, libraries were pretty clear that they can barely support one and they don't want to support two. So, you know, I think that we don't know what the future holds, but I would say eventually we're going to have to narrow it down to one. <laughs> or at least give people some options. But right now what we have is different libraries and different, uh, you know, different states have different e-readers. All right, next you have Danielle. Okay. Danielle, you're unmuted. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't there know you, you had called on me next. Yes, yeah, hi, right. thank you. I came in late. Now you said that there was a group list to which we could subscribe. If we yes. want to be aware of everything going on at mm -hmm. um, NLS, so where do we need to subscribe? So you can send an email to NLSPES. PES is for Patron Engagement Section. So NLSPES at LOC.gov. And um, just say that you're interested in subscribing to the announce list, and we will we'll get you on that list. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, Sam. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, I am a 
Braille teacher, and I worked really hard to get UEB certified because it was demanded of me for my job Mm -hmm. and so have been teaching my students as such. And I have to admit, I was very disappointed because I turned to to Bard a lot Mm -hmm. um, for having the students find something to read. And um, when I teach UEB, you know, the old Braille doesn't get taught um, because you have to draw the line somewhere. And Mm -hmm. so the books that I find, you know, the old classics um, are not in UEB. And when I asked about that, they said they were never going to do them in UEB, that they would be in the old Braille. Can you speak to this? I can. Um, In 2016, when the code was implemented in the United States, we started doing all of our books in UEB. And from that point on, we've continued to do all of our books in UEB. But as you stated, there are books on BARD, many books that are that were done before 2016. And those books are in EBAE, which is the old system. Um, many, 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 many people, most people read both. But if you're teaching very young students, they probably don't know the old code. It's not hard to learn and it's, it's, you know, but it's, it has been, um, you know, the code has been updated many times. Um, maybe, you know, the, there was a code in 1959. There was an update in 1967. There was another update in 1992. So the code has been updated many times and most people are pretty familiar with reading all the old codes and all the old ways, but they know that this is the current way. Um, you know, there will be some of those books, probably some of those classics will get reissued. And of course we will redo them in UEB, um, when we redo them. But, uh, you know, with the, with the limited number of books that we do in Braille at this point, it doesn't, um, you know, it would not be fruitful for us to retranslate a bunch of books that are already available that people can read. So um, if you have something really specific that you think need, needs to be done, feel free to contact us because we do have a special new project that we're working on called Express Braille. And it very well may be that we could do some of those books in Express Braille. It would be a Braille that they can read. These are not hard books to do. So, you know, we would certainly consider doing some of those. So feel free to write to us and let us know if there's something you are looking for that you feel really needs to be in UEB. Okay, because I guess I... As a teacher, I will say it, it is a difference. And, you know, especially when I get students that have only had, you know, UEB experience and then they, there, you do have to go back and do some teaching of different Braille and how it, how it reads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, and also it does affect people who have learning disabilities who really work really hard to do the UEB and then you have to go back and throw the old braille at them. Um, that is a big deal. So mm-hmm. I I certainly hope I, I'm sure it takes, you know, financial uh, means to to be able to do these older books, but 
some of them are these great books, you know, all the Dr. Seuss's, all the, I mean, it's amazing how many older books from 20, you know, before 2016 that are just not in UEB. So as it's a not teacher, amazing because UEB didn't exist before 2016. Well, amazing but, to, amazing, but I, like I, I, there's a lot. Yeah, you know? there is. There is, there's 30,000. <laughs> I guess I didn't realize as a teacher that, you know, when I went through and worked hard to learn the UEB and, and now I'm teaching it, that that would be the case. And it's sort of disappointing to me as the teacher that, you know, they will have to, on their own, if they if they don't encounter with me the old Braille, you know, I hope they're able to learn that if they well, don't I, have to. Okay. I think, I think okay. we need to go we, on to our next yeah. person. <laughs> okay. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. We don't have any time for any more questions. So, Tamara, thank you so much for joining us today. I know everybody would love to have you stick around for a long time so they could ask questions, but, you know, you can always send your questions to treasure uh, at Braille. <laughs> treasure at BrailleRevivalLeague.org and Jane will get your questions to Tamara. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> we, we think we think alike there, Lucy. <laughs> I, I overlooked the fact I need to thank Sheila, uh, Sheila Young and John um, Gassman for, for being our streamer and our, our, our host. So I hope I didn't miss anyone else. Next, we're going to have our second award announcement from Miss Jane Corona. Okay. Thanks. And I'll have everybody know that I ate a three and a half inch square piece of cake for Louis Braille's birthday. I was going to only eat half of it, but then I kept eating and eating and eating. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I want some. It was. <laughs> Pass it around. I ate this delicious piece of birthday cake. So I did that. Anyway, so the second, second place prize winner in the Braille Matters contest is Nancy Scott. And this prize mm. was a $10 prize and she could have gotten a magnet and she couldn't have could have gotten two magnets in a game book or she could have gotten two magnets or she could have gotten dues for an additional year. So she decided to get dues for an additional year. So she's a member of the Braille Revival League through 2026 now. That's very cool. And her entry was at, or is as follows. It's a poem. Poetry lines exact to hand, punctuation and spelling known, paragraphs and lists quickly scanned, instructions reread, aces found, touchable stars right in the dark, here near and far, read in a park, textured map of road and cool secret code. That is her entry, and we thank her very much for the submission and being our second place uh, winner in the Braille Matters contest. Thanks so much. I'll be Thanks back you. soon with the with the first prize. I got one piece of paper left on my desk. <laughs> Thanks, Jane. Okay. Okay. Next, next, we're going to um, listen to Albert Anderson, who is the president of the Braille Bible League of Illinois, and he's going to tell us about the the importance of that of Braille in their great state. Albert, I hope you're unmuted. I think he's in the audience. He is, and I sent him a promote to panelist. 
And he, he Albert, you have to accept it. Or you could just allow him to talk, Sheila. Well, He's, he was allowed. Yeah. Okay, Albert, you may unmute. Oh, the audio now there unmuted. There you go. There, there I am. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I think I'm the first presenter uh, that has been on all day long who's had a little bit of a problem getting unmuted, but fortunately that did not last very long. Um, greetings to everybody. Thank you very much for putting together this excellent uh, presentation for the birthday of Louis Braille. And I'm speaking to you today actually as immediate past president of Illinois Braille Revival League, but I will say a little bit more about that later on. Um, the Illinois Braille Revival League is a rather new and rather small state affiliate. We have uh, somewhere around 15, possibly 20 member members has left the meeting. at this point. Here, let me... Uploading JAWS. Quit JAWS okay. dialogue. Are you sure you want to quit JAWS? Enter. Camera upload. Are you sure you... Okay, there we go. A little bit better shape here now um the importance of braille in the state of illinois is uh that there, we have many people who um read it and many who are learning it we know that um one thing uh that i i wonder how many of you know is that before there was the perkins brailler there was the Hall Braille Writer, uh, which was invented by a man named Frank Hall, who in the 19th century was the superintendent of the Illinois Braille and Sight Saving School, which is called Illinois School for the Visually Impaired today. And uh, I happen to remember a good many years ago uh, at the ACB National Convention, there was a skit about uh, Frank Hall written by Joanna Cargill, who some of us actually remember, and the skit was quite cute and was part of the actual uh, ACB convention program, but I'm going to move on from there. Uh, just to talk about 2023, um, we had our state convention this last April in Glen Ellen, and um, we decided that one thing we would do is take the uh, Friday evening social hour and sponsor that and provide refreshments and provide door prizes for that. And um, our idea was if anyone in the ICB membership who was attending the convention had an unusual or interesting thing related to Braille, that they should bring that with them. And um, I was able to make a little bit of a presentation about the, the uh, item that I brought. And that is that uh, some years ago, I had a conversation with Judy Dixon and pointed out to her uh, Braille paper, as we all know, is eight and a half by 11 inches, but it wasn't always like that. There was a time some years ago when Braille paper was eight by 12. So writing on a slate, 
you actually could get as many as 30 lines of braille on a sheet um, when they changed the size of, of braille paper they didn't change the size of the sheet always has been for years about a half an inch margin uh, that you can't write on and uh judy pointed out to me that there is a slate available from japan that actually does cover the entire eight and a half inch width of paper paper and uh she supplied me with one and i brought it to the convention and was able to share it with quite a number of people who were interested in it um it's a very handy thing it, it comes in a plastic case which has a socket where the stylus sits and it has a four plastic feet on the bottom and uh, the idea that you get is that you're not going to throw this into a backpack and put it around anywhere you go you're going to find a place for this on your table or counter or desk and it's going to sit there and when you need it there it is it's uh, a very nice thing and uh, some people were interested to see it uh, at the national convention in uh, at the uh, renaissance in schaumburg in july uh, we were able to participate in having camille caparelli the founder of horizons for the blind uh be added to the aca wall of angels uh that was something that we all were very glad about and then now uh, another thing we accomplished during this year was to reorganize our dues structure a little bit so that um, if a person's a life member of BRL or a life member of LUA that they don't have to pay uh, their full amount of dues uh, to IBRL because that, uh, the $20 dues, uh, $10 of that automatically goes to BRL anyway. So that then now, uh, and then at the monthly meeting in November, we had election of officers, and uh, our new president is Tom Jones from Mount Carmel, and uh, I am now vice president of actually Illinois uh, Rail Revival League, and our meeting, our monthly meetings are on the third Monday of each month. So. Monday, January 16th, will be Thomas first meeting to preside as the new president of Illinois Braille Revival League. And we have had a little bit of an informal discussion about uh, the emphasis we should take in the future, in, in upcoming months, years, and uh, the key word seems to be outreach. We know that there are um, people who could benefit from learning Braille and from uh, being connected with Illinois Braille Revival League, uh, we need to know more about who they are and where they are, and they need to know about us. So that's uh, a, a thing we're really going to be emphasizing in the coming year. Um, I think I can wrap that up uh, pretty much, uh, and uh, Jane will forward to me any question that might have you can email her with that so then uh i think i'm uh, set to turn it back over once again thank very much to all the presenters and all the uh participants and uh 
facilitators of this all-day commemoration uh, of the birthday of Louis Braille. Lucy? Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Albert, for telling us about the Illinois Braille Revival League state affiliate. And like I said before, I always love to hear about our state affiliates. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So take it away, Patty. Okay. I, I haven't heard Katrina come in yet, but next I, we're... Did, did you see her, Lucy? She's um, here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next, we're going to um, hear from Katrina Tees, and she works for the Horizons for the Blind, another wonderful place that provides a lot of Braille mm -hmm. to many, many, many of us. And Katrina happens to be a Braille production proofer. So, Katrina, I'll let you introduce yourself and tell us a little about, bit about Horizons for the Blind. Um, okay. Thank you so much. Um, Hello, my name is Katrina, and I am a uh, Braille productionist slash proofer um, here at Horizons for the Blind. I have been uh, working with Horizons. Uh, I've been working at Horizons for the Blind since September of 2020. Um, so here at Horizons, we um, we do Braille, large print, and audio transcription. Um, we do, uh, we, we do utility bills, restaurant menus, um, some cookbooks, um, lots of different things. Like, uh, we do business cards. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a wonderful, um, place to be working and just knowing, you know, knowing that we are, um, you know, that we're, we're helping up people, you know, that are like us, people that are blind and visually impaired. Like, you know, we need to be able to read our utility bills or our bank statements or whatever it may be, you know, and that's important. That's very important um, to be able to access that. So. Christina, I'm on other services that you have that your organization contracts with, how do you um, become involved with the utility companies or banks or <clears throat> even other um, state you know places that want statements yeah. like um, credit cards? So how do you how do you find these people? Do they find you or do you find them? No. So for example, like let's say you want to get your phone bill in Braille or large print or something, you contact your like you would contact your uh your company whoever your provider is and then um they would contact us so um but as far as like how you know do we get contracts and things like that that i'm not sure i i don't work with that end of things so unfortunately i can't um give much on that but like I said, if you, you know, if you have a utility bill or your phone bill or your credit card statement, your bank statement, you know, whatever it is, you want it in Braille, contact, you know, the best way, um, contact your, you know, whoever your provider is, your bank, your, uh, your phone bill or your phone provider, credit card, state, uh, credit card provider. Um, do you have and, any idea how many businesses you are now serving? Yeah, we uh, 
several, several, in fact. Uh, I didn't boil it down, but it is a lot. It is a lot. I would say, shoot, I would say more because we've got, we're not allowed to say who. Um, maybe about like 20 or more, maybe? Give or take? <clears throat> Sorry, I can't give an exact number. I been a busy day at work and but yeah um but it's 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 a good it's a very good amount um we're we're very busy um brailing and does that include restaurants too that you provide braille menus for or just businesses um mainly that's like businesses we will will occasionally get the restaurant menu but that's like really rare that we will get it um those are more we get a lot of the restaurant menus like during like convention um like right up to convention but we do we have gotten some standalone so. do do you go out and solicit at all to the to the restaurants because we know that's a, a common place where a lot of us go oh yeah i mean you can give yeah like um you know we can give business cards hey you know um if you know if we would like um, you know, if you would like to have the restaurant menu in Braille, you know, we can, you know, here's a business card and then you can call us and we can see what we can do. Um, so, yeah, that's. Do you believe that there's more of these businesses using your, your Brailling services? Have you seen um, an increase? Uh, right now, it's pretty much the same, but we do, we do get uh, new sometimes, so. Um, how do you feel that, that this, uh, mm -hmm. that, 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 do you feel that the use of Braille is, is growing or declining? How do you see it from your? I uh, personally see it, honestly, sadly, I personally see it as declining, and here's why I say that. Because so many things, now I'm not bashing technology or iPhones or anything like that. However, so many of us mainly use our iPhones for everything. You know, so many of us, oh, I'll just, you know, get this email to me. I'll just get the bill email to me. I'll, you know, and yeah, we can read Braille displays, but like, it, yeah, I sadly, I think it's declining but i don't i honestly do not believe that braille is going to be gone and i say that because i have heard people say that well braille's going to be obsolete no it's not the way that we access it might change but i believe braille is not going to go anywhere but i do feel that it needs to be um pushed more it should be um taught more um especially like in the home you know well, i know you do cookbooks do you Sorry, do, do I, much I, for children um we do have some kids um kids books like we have like uh bear wallow like the bear wallow um books and also i mean if you want if you have a book um that you want you have like your own personal book that you want uh, for your child or your grandchild, you know, you could, or any, any kid, you know, your family, friends, kid, whatever, uh, you could, um, call us, um, and, um, we can go over all that. Like, um, we could probably send like a PDF of it, of the book. 
Um, and then they'll go from there. You can get it railed most likely. So, so do you make it as a real print book then for, for the sighted and the blind to use together? Um, I, I, I don't think we do LP, unfortunately. Um, but I think that's just because of copyright and things like that. But yeah, it's like I said, I, don't do a lot with like the you know what i mean i i don't handle the accounts you know what i'm saying so i can't but what are some of your other services that you um provide uh we do have a store um so we do sell like we do sell uh talking keychains we do sell some uh braille dice um like Braille, uh, sorry, Braille Rubik's Cube. Um, we have Braille playing cards, like Uno and Bingo. Um, we sell canes, um, cane tips. So, and can people order this these products on the internet or? Um, yeah, or um, the best way you can also um, give us a call. Our phone number is. Um, 815-444-8800. Um, and then it's extension 238. Um, or you can go online. It's horizons-blind.org. Um, and you could go go on there and um, see what you would like. And yeah, I know the website is, uh, the website like recently got updated. So um, I'm not sure if you could place an order on there yet, but I think you can, but I haven't had time to check it. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, no apology. That's okay. Um, we do have, uh, time for some questions for Katrina, if you want to entertain those. Um, yeah, I, I can probably do like a couple because um, I am at work right now. So, Ralph. But. All right. Can you hear me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Hello. Very good. Uh, let's say I wanted to order some business cards. Do you sell in bulk like 100 or 50 or 500 or? And, um, and what... yeah, you can do like you can call, you can do like however many you need. So you can call and say like, I need. You know, fifty business cards, or I need, you know. Okay, are they the are they the regular size business card? Are they bigger, smaller? That really, that really, honestly, like it's going to be a little bigger, but it really just depends on you know what you have on your card, um, like what we can fit on there. But we try to fit it all onto this on the card. So, but normally they're. Okay. They're normally regular size. Like our like our business card is it's a regular size. It's like the size of a um it's like the size of a playing card. So it looks like Okay. You, so so it be in, in print and braille, right? Yeah, anybody can read it. Yep. Okay. Very good. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yep, thank you. All right, Paul Edwards. 
Hi there. Could you tell us a little bit about the person who started Horizons for the Blind? Because I think she's kind of an interesting person. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so her name is Camille. Um, she started it back in, oh, gosh, I think 19, was it 67, I think, or 70, one of the, it was, I think, 67 or 77. I'm not really sure right now. Um, but yeah, she, um, she was very, um, like big, like about Braille, Braille reading and, um, how, you know, how you should know your Braille. She, she was a sweetheart. She really was. All right. Do you want to take more hands, or are you done, Lucy? Oh, you can. Yeah, we can do. We more. got time. Okay, Jane. Jane Just Corona. To, oh, I got it. Okay. Just a plug for the store. I know. Uh, several years ago, when I was learning to loom knit, I bought a bunch of um, uh, knitting looms and needle threaders and all sorts of stuff from from the Horizon store, and I got the catalog. It was a huge thing. It was about two wow. inches thick. And so, do you still offer the catalog in Braille? Yes, we do. I'll call in my, uh, Monday and get another new catalog. Yes, Ooh, that's we awesome. still have the catalog. It's always and, tough to buy. Yes. yes. <laughs> and we also have a magazine. Um, it's called Seeing It Our Way. Um, that's also that's available in large print and Braille as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And that comes out monthly, is that correct? Yeah, that's monthly. That okay. is monthly. Okay, Denise. Yeah, Camille, I mean, Katrina, can you tell us um, how many people work for Horizons for the Blind? Is it all volunteers? Are you all paid staff? How does that work? Um, so we're, we're all paid. Um, I think right now there's maybe close to, I think, 25 or 30 of us all together. Um, and it's a combination of uh, both blind and fully sighted. And how long a... Oh, can you I'm guys still hear me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That was weird. I kind of think that's yeah. good. I left the meeting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what was my... Oh, um, what kind of a waiting list do you have? I mean, if somebody were to want to get something put into Braille, what kind of a waiting list list are you looking at? at this point we try to get everything out in between around like 10 business days like the braille like so say if you have like a book um we try to get it out of here you know what i mean like back out the door on its way to you in like 10 days or less thank you because we have to scan i mean it has to be scanned and all that you know what i mean so mm -hmm. All right. Jane. Jane T. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be specific here. <laughs> Jane, go ahead. I don't. Go ahead. Yep. Alt. You're, you're fine, Jane. I'm sorry. Did Jane? you just. 
Jane, you're muted. You were unmuted. And she was unmuted. She was unmuted. Now am I unmuted? Yes, yes. yes. Good grief. <laughs> what are some of your ideas? I heard you say Braille needs to be pushed at home, but I'm a retired teacher, and I think there has to be outreach to schools to use print Braille books so that children who can see or not have access to them. And I wonder what kind of outreach um, you are making to schools or to residential care facilities or all of that. Uh, ow. Um, I mean, I know like we're, we're doing our best like to get out, you know, to get, get the word out, like, you know, the best way handing out business cards, just word of mouth, telling people about us. Mm -hmm. uh just anything you could possibly do you know just anything you know whatever we can do we okay. all right well i yeah i never want braille to go away and i don't believe it no will. you know what i don't think it's yeah. going to i, I genuinely don't either but go away I but also do more yeah no i think mm -hmm. i mean we all should want to do more you know, I mean, we should want to do whatever we can, you know, even if it's just telling people, you know, if all we can do is hand out business cards. I mean, I'm not saying all we can do, like, it's not enough because it is something. Right. right. It, is, it is something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Thanks. You're welcome. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Are we, we have time for more? Yep. <laughs> okay. Teresa, you may unmute. Teresa, unmute. Okay, I had to wait for the request to speak. We got gotcha. you. We got gotcha. you. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I wanted to know. Do you? Um, you're probably going to say this would be in the catalog. I get that. But uh, do you still have the cookbook? Do you still sell the cookbook? Yes. Yes, okay. we do. Great. And I'm, I'm sure there's a listing of all them in the um, catalog. Yes, and I'll yeah. and I'll call um next week and request a catalog. Yay! <laughs> All right, very good. That's eight, all the questions. Eight one right five now. four 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 eight eight zero zero. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yep, thank you so much. All right. Well, anybody have any questions from the panelist side here? Okay. Well, Katrina, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us information about Horizons for the Blind. I know uh, most of us already, you know, knew of your existence and have used your services a lot. I know I have for sure. So thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Katrina. Yeah. <clears throat> Can we yeah, move so to the next one, Lucy? We're a little bit ahead of schedule, and I want to okay. take a, a minute just to acknowledge one person that we did not mention. Oh, uh, that No, that's okay. And that is Belle Collins, and she is moderating over in Clubhouse and connecting Clubhouse and Zoom. So thanks, awesome. Belle. Thank you.
I didn't know who that was. That's okay. <clears throat> I think our next speaker is here. If we want to go ahead and, and get her started. Is Rachel here, Sheila? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes. Our next one is, is, is exciting, um, and it's about the Braille Challenge. We've already heard a little bit about the Braille Challenge, and it's really one thing in that we really need in our country to inspire the Braille. So inspiring our young people to use Braille is one way of doing it is the Braille Challenge. So Rachel Antone, which is how my computer said it, is the director, and she serves as the National Programs and Youth Services Director. And she works for the um, Braille Institute in Los Angeles. And um, I've had just a wonderful time commuting communicating with her back and forth on this and the Braille Challenge. And later on, I'll have a little bit more to add about Braille Challenge. So Rachel, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and about the Braille Challenge? And, and if you run out of things to say, I have questions. <laughs> Thank you, Patty. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. <clears throat> Thank you so much uh, to the Braille Revival League for the invite. I see so many familiar names and faces on the call, and my team and I were just so happy to be here. Um, as Patty mentioned, my name is Rachel Antoine. I'm the Director of National and Youth Programs at the Braille Institute. I'm joined here by my two colleagues who will introduce themselves now, too. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Daniel Vera. I'm the operations coordinator for our national programs team at Braille Institute. My name is Rosalind Salvario. I'm a national program specialist at Braille Institute, Los Angeles. Awesome. Um, so I'll share a little bit about how and when our Braille Challenge, the Braille Challenge program began. So the program started 24 years ago in the year 2000 at the Braille Institute's Anaheim Regional Center. John Zamora, who was the youth program director at the time, he met up with other BIA team members and created the contest to motivate students to practice and hone their Braille literacy skills. Our first event was a local Southern California-based event, and after the huge success of the program, we reached out to other schools and agencies, and then partnerships formed and developed from coast to coast and beyond our borders to continue to promote Braille literacy. So many people have come together over the years to make Braille Challenge what it is today. It is a tribute to the hard work of the students, teachers, parents, and the community. Braille Challenge continues to grow and transform year after year. Our alumni have gone off to become lawyers, teachers, <laughs> engineers, writers, and more. Braille literacy is paramount for achieving higher education, and employability, and we are so proud to be a leader in the field to provide this program to our students and families. Rosie? And now in 2024, we are so happy to share that we have 65 regional Braille Challenge programs across the US, UK, and Canada. To break that down a little further, we have 36, we have regionals in 36 states, five provinces, and walking town in England, UK. Pre-pandemic, we reached over a thousand students in grades one through 12. However, because of the pandemic and staffing shortages, we are working to bring those numbers back up. These regional events are held annually from January to March, and the top 10 students from our five cont contest categories are invited to finals in June. Last year in June, the finals event was held at the University of Southern California. 
Last year, we had finalists from Georgia, Iowa, Washington, New York, New York, Missouri, and Texas placed in the top three. So every year we announce these finalists in May and we're super excited to find out who's gonna make it this year. And we have all this information on our website as well. Thanks, Rosie. Um, <clears throat> so we received so many comments from parents, students, and TVIs throughout the year. Um, and overall, they're just so grateful for this program. A large population of our students don't actually go to a school for the blind. They're the only VI student in their school. So to provide this opportunity, the Braille Challenge, to come together to meet other students, for parents to meet other parents who are raising a VI youth, it's life-changing. Braille Challenge is a resource. And once you join the Braille Challenge, you're part of this community for life. Um, some of the, the quotes that we receive from parents and families, I'll share a few. So this was a student. This will be my 11th year competing in the Braille Challenge. My first competition was when I was six years old. So they were six years old the first time and now they're in 11th grade. That's a lot of years of Braille Challenge. <laughs> um, a parent said, it's important for students to get access to Braille so they have everything their peers have at the school. The Braille Challenge is a motivator to have a little competition with other people and try to be on top. It makes you learn a little bit faster. Another parent said, I like the opportunity for parents and kids to meet others in similar situations and establish connections. I also like the opportunity to communicate with other professionals and blind adults. And last year, our alumni speaker for our 2023 Braille Challenge Finals was Tiffany Zhao, and I think she said it best. Braille boldly so that your words may stick. Danny? Yeah, and, um, you know, I was listening to the panelist earlier, uh, Katrina, and you asked, uh, you know, in, in her opinion, does she see Braille becoming braille use becoming uh is increasing or declining and i think just echoing her words of you know unfortunately we do see a, a decline but it also seems like a call to action to all of us to to really push braille literacy and so we at, at braille institute we're doing that a couple of ways one of course you just heard braille challenge a uh, fantastic program that is really challenging students to develop their Braille literacy um, and become excellent in it. Another program that we 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 do is uh, our special collection program, which aims to really introduce Braille literacy early on. So we uh, provide free Braille books to parents and children, and the goal is really to introduce Braille to the families. Right, the the parents become big advocates in education later on when they have been exposed to a little bit of Braille. So we feel like that's a, a really good way of, of pushing Braille, uh, keeping it relevant, increasing users. Um, that's something that we'd like to do. Um, the other thing that we kind of see um, happening is, is Braille, you know, Katrina said it as well as technology, this reliance on technology as a workaround and that's really what it's become it's a workaround it it's we're not focusing on the braille yes they can you know you can use braille on technology but there needs to be that foundation 
Um, so somebody, one of the um, questions was, you know, why not reach out more to uh, the educators? And I think that has to happen. Yes. And I think it has to happen earlier. Um, you know, really encouraging college students that are looking at becoming teachers and exposing them to possibilities of becoming TVIs, covering those uh, TVI shortages is really paramount. And um, one thing that we like to do with with Braille Challenge is really support the TVIs that are out there. Um, you know, our relationship with the TVIs that uh, take part in Braille Challenge really exceeds past Braille Challenge. So they have our our contact information. We talk year round. Um, we exchange ideas, exchange support, um, and I think that really has helped um, our community. And um, I, I encourage other nonprofits to reach out to your local TVI, see how you can support, see how they can support you, and really exchange information. And then celebrating Braille, like we're doing here today, um, is is key. Thank you, Patty. Um, we'll be happy to take any questions if anyone has any questions for us. Um, are you able to share the winners with us, Rachel? Yeah, so we have winners year after year. Um, they would be up to 15 names to share. Um, and those are linked on our website, which I, I can access our website, but it'll just be reading off names. So maybe I can just share the link. Um, it's on our brailleinstitute.org slash brailchallenge website. Um, and it's under our winners tab. And you can see the winners from the past couple years, uh, but most recently our winners from 2023. What activities do you have for the, the families while you're all together in California? Yeah, um, so we have a parent workshop aspect that we encourage all regionals to do uh, while their students are testing. Uh, so we have um, someone who can speak about resources, about services, about guide dogs, about anything uh, that's beneficial to families and parents. Um, last year, we had like a panel of TVIs, ask your TVI anything. We had a panel on IEPs, how to develop an IEP for your student. So we re really use that time for parents to network really meet one another, uh, the parents of the older students to come and connect with the parent of a young child who is their first time brailing at Braille Challenge, um, a networking session, we always do sort of a mixer, and then we have um, some sort of parent workshop, which is providing resources, services, information, um, and things like that. And do you have some um, blind uh, adult participants that do the workshops or that help with the workshops? Um, so we always have uh, volunteers who support um, and anyone who's a, you know, professional in the, in the field, we would love to have you as a, a workshop presenter if you want to talk about the services that you provide and things like that. Um, we're always looking for, you know, collaboration in that aspect. And then we often bring back a lot of alumni. I think it's really important for parents to see, you know, the potential for their child. I think they're just so nervous about what can my child do? Will my child get a job? Um, so having the opportunity for them to see alumni, see how successful they are. We have the Braille Challenge Alumni Network, um, which I'm working on, you know, getting off the ground and really, really developing that program. But we always love bringing back alumni. I think that's really something to celebrate. 
And as I mentioned, um, our alumni have become lawyers, teachers, doctors, engineers, writers, musicians. Um, so there's no limits to where you can go with this program. And uh, we always just love hearing about what our alumni are doing. I have to ask you this question. Maybe you can help us. We, we found on the website a really cool song. And yes. can you tell us how to access that song so the rest of our membership can listen to it? Is it the Braille Challenge Maybe song? I'm pretty sure that's what it was, yes. <laughs> that's so funny that you mentioned that because one of our coordinators um, actually did a program today where she played the Braille Challenge Maybe oh. song. Yes, so that was really cool. Um, there's a recording, so maybe I can share that link afterwards. Um, but the Braille Challenge Maybe song is kind of a riff off the Call Me Maybe song. Um, Caitlin Hernandez, who's an alumni of the program, she's now with TBI in the NorCal area. She created the song to talk about Braille Challenge, um, to talk about her experience in Braille Challenge. It kind of, uh, she sings along to the beat of Call Me Maybe. It's really cute and fun. Um, today's program, they had like a sing along for it. So it's just really cute. Um, I'll be happy to share that with anyone who wants to uh, listen to it. Actually, um, Patty, I actually have the link. And um, I just wanted to get permission first before we send it out to our folks because it was it was an absolutely wonderful song, and I thought, I wish there was some way we could incorporate this into our program for today, and we knew that wasn't going to work out. But if we have permission, um, I'd be happy to share the link with yes, all of our lists. Yes, please share it. Thank you so Thank much. You. We actually have the lyrics for the song as well, so I can send that to you, Denise. Oh, cool. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> all right. Would you like to take a question? I just can have I one I have one question. I have too. a question too, since I'm unmuted. <laughs> Go ahead, Lucy. Lucy. Okay, I just wondered: is the number of participants in the Braille Challenge increasing each year, or does it stay about the same? Or yeah, so uh, every year I feel like there's an increase. The Good. significant drop was the year 2020. Um, luckily, our Braille Challenge happened in 2020 because our season ends around March. The pandemic happened around March. So we had numbers upwards of 1,300 students. After that, in 2021, the program was completely remote. So everyone was doing testing, individual, one-on-one, -on -one, virtual. Our numbers took a significant drop uh, in 2021, where we were around 700. So we're slowly building those numbers back up, um, breaking down those geographical barriers by allowing for more virtual testing, by expanding where our programs are. So students have more access to the program. They don't have to drive really far. So all of our efforts are really paying off and we're seeing our numbers grow um, every year. Awesome. Great. Were they better this year? Say it again? Were, were they higher than 700 this year? So we just started. Uh, January 1st is oh, the I'm in for 2023. season. So we are hoping that we just blow the number we had last year out the water and uh, get a whole bunch of students this year. So fingers crossed promote the program um it's it's really easy and it's not the program's not easy but <laughs> share the program um it's really easy to get involved um and we love to uh have more students what was your number last year in 2023 rosie was that 817 i believe yeah 817 oh, students we had 54 regionals we had uh over 30 students do one-on-one -on -one proctoring with their tdi um, so we impacted a lot of households. We're just really proud of that. Denise, did you have a 
Yes, I have a question. Um, can you explain a little bit more about the actual structure of um, the, what happens on that day? Um, what are the different tests that, um, and the different levels? And how was the curriculum developed? And how do you determine who, which grades get which tests or are tested on which things? Yeah. Uh, Rosie or Danny, do you want to take that question? Would you like me to take it? Yeah, I, I can feel that one. <clears throat> so it's a great question, Denise. Thank you for that. Um, we have a team of developers that uh, consists of some transcribers, teachers of visually impaired, um, teachers of teachers of the visually impaired. <laughs> and we have some some real experts that are um, constantly changing the, the contests. And so we have five different contests and students will take four out of five, depending on their grade level. Um, it starts with spelling. We have proofreading, uh, reading comprehension. We do charts and graphs, so they're introduced uh, or they're tested on tactile graphics. Um, and then we do a speed and accuracy, which is um, kind of taking dictation. Um, so students will take four out of five of those depending on their grade level. And they're typically separated by like grade, what's, what grade they're in school um, and their ability to be at grade level um do they read have they been reading braille for a while are they just getting introduced to braille um there's some different protocols and different um what's the word different uh criteria that will give them access to a different category but we have we start with our apprentice which is also offered uncontracted braille for those that are just getting into braille um, we have our freshman category, sophomore, junior varsity, and varsity for our typically our juniors and seniors in high school. Is everything done by paper braille or is some of it done electronically? Currently, we're 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 doing everything uh, on paper. Um, we are working towards a digital transition, and it'll probably be some sort of mixture of paper rail and um you know braille displays or um braille notes um we're still working on the transition because we want everybody to have the same accessibility so that's um that's our only challenge and our as we move closer to that hurdle um you'll start seeing more uh digital versions of braille challenge We have a question hands? from Larry Johnson. Mm -hmm. Okay, Larry. Rachel, I just want to compliment you. I think this is a really extraordinary program and effort that you're carrying on. And, and I would love to see ways in which the Braille Revival League could support and partner with you to expand the program. Uh, let me ask you this. How many states currently participate? And second, what is necessary in order for a state to participate? And how could they work with you to do that? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for those uh, kind words, Larry. I will let Rosie take that question. Hi, Larry. My name is Rosie. Um, so we currently have 36 states participating in Braille Challenge. And there may be more depending on whether there's a teacher proctoring a um, Braille challenge one-on-one -on -one with the student. 
But when it comes to the regional program, we have 36 states that we're reaching in the United States. Um, we're actually, we advertise a program in a box. So if someone is interested, um, they'd be a prospective regional coordinator. So this regional coordinator can be a TVI, someone that works for a school for the blind, or someone that works for the school district, um, someone that's comfortable with the field. So they'll reach out to us um, via email most of the time, borrowchallenge.org. If you're interested, I want to reach out. Um, and we meet with you. So we meet with that prospective regional coordinator, and we've developed six steps that help this person implement their Braille Challenge program. So this could be the first step, for example, is connecting with us. Um, we have a regional agreement that this person would sign, and that would be the official marker of them becoming a regional coordinator. Um, we find, we found this year that planning committees for each regional are growing. So there'll be like three leads for a regional, for a regional that will, they're like, they're educators. So they'll help plan that regional event, and then they set a date. That date has to be between January and March. That's our regional Braille Challenge season. And then they recruit students and volunteers. So we, for volunteers, we'll need TVIs um, to proctor the contest. We'll need TVIs to score these contests. And student recruitment, um, it's easier for, for coordinators that are coming from a school because the students are there, or um, if they're from an organization, for example, Burt Institute, will connect with our TVIs. So that's um, where those connections come in handy when Danny um, mentioned. And then the program is implemented. During the program, you see opening and closing ceremonies, testing, parent workshops, which I think Rachel mentioned earlier, um, and guest speakers, alumni um, that share a little bit about their experience and help motivate the current 1 through 12 um, students. I hope that answers your question. It does. So do you have a kind of a toolkit or starter kit that you could make available to the coordinator so they would be following your procedures? and? Is there a minimum number of students that need to be uh, signed up in order to participate? Yes, we do have um, some information that we send that prospective regional coordinator. This is, um, there's a few supporting documents actually that we ask for this person to review, and then we'll meet again to answer any questions. So this can be, for example, our Braille Challenge Handbook. So it has all the details on how to set up a scoring room, um, what more detail about all the contests, and pretty much a guide. And is there a registration fee for the state to participate? Not at all. No, um, it just has to be someone that's passionate, ready to work and form a committee. And um, yeah, we offer a lot of supporting documents. A lot of communication, which is great, um, but no fee. Are, are the are the documents in accessible format for uh, teachers that are having to be blind? 
Yes, a lot of our regional coordinators are visually impaired or blind. Okay. Um, some are sighted, of course. Yeah. But all of our Word documents and documents that we share are accessibility checked. And we do offer um, documents in Braille, too. So would uh, the interested parties contact you or Rachel, or what would be the proper procedure to follow? Um, hi, Larry. I think uh, the easiest point of contact where any one of us can reach out, can uh, respond, is our Braille Challenge email. So that's braillechallenge at braillinstitute.org. Um, you can also look at our website and all of our email addresses are there and kind of scattered all over the internet as we've done a lot of Braille Challenge over the years. But braillechallenge at braillinstitute.org um, is probably the best email um, and you'll get an immediate response from one of us. But I just wanted to um, add on to Rosie's comments. Um, I see that the Braille Revival League and a lot of other orgs are all spread out on this call around the you know, U.S. and beyond. And there are other ways to get involved in your local regional. So you can get involved in your local regional area as a transcriber, as a scorer for the Braille Challenge on Braille Challenge Day, as a proctor for your local Braille Challenge on Braille Challenge Day. So if you want more information on your local regional, feel free to reach out to us and we can connect you with that coordinator. And uh, they'd love to sign you up as a scorer or a proctor to support with your local program. Um, and if you're here in SoCal, we'd love to have you at our Braille Challenge program on March 2nd of this year. We definitely need some scorers and proctors and any other hands-on support you can provide. Um, definitely reach out to us for more information. And just like Frank stated earlier, uh, if you've been a volunteer for any of the Braille Challenge, it is just um, so rewarding. I, I've done it mm -hmm. three years, and I just really wish I lived a lot closer so I could do it some more. Oh, thanks, Patty. Yes, we, we try to make it so much fun. It's not just work. It's fun. Oh, you no, it's fun. Students, you connect with the mission of the program. Uh, you got a cool T-shirt. You get some Braille Challenge swag. We feed you really good that day. There's music. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot of fun. So um, I hear you have good pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we lost our host. Is there any other questions? I, I have taken over now. This is Travis Butler. And we do have one question from Greg. And while he's on mute, thank you for stepping in, Travis. Thank you. Okay. Hello, Patty and Lucy and everybody. Um, thank you, uh, Braille Challenge, for coming to speak to us. I just want to give a shout out. Wisconsin has had one person in the Braille Challenge. Um, you mentioned something about college students. I work with an organization um, that works with college students. Uh, Danny, I believe you mentioned something about college students helping out. Are those just people who are alumni of the Braille Challenge or what else can college students do to help out with the uh the uh braille challenge and i am i wish there was an adult braille challenge that would be uh <laughs> really kind of fun so um thank you yeah no problem thanks greg um yeah i think i was referencing college uh accessing college students early on to uh pique their interest in becoming uh teachers of the visually impaired um okay but uh that is a great way if we can get volunteer college students who 
are exposed to things like braille challenge um i i you know it can be life-changing um i think a lot of us in this field happened upon this field and you know okay this is this is my life now this is what i want to dedicate my life to and i think if you uh if we can um expose college students early on or even high school students that are sighted that don't understand this field and are just exposed to it um it really can bolster um the amount of sighted advocates for braille excellent thank you thank you looks like we are out of question right. okay are, are all the um everything that's finished is it just like in literary braille there is there a math section or or a, you know science section so hey i can take it excellent um we don't do like nemeth but we do uh, our charts and graphs section which is usually um understanding graphs mathematical graphs but it doesn't use nemeth thank you of course Okay, anybody else have any questions on the panel or? All right, well, thank you so much to the panel from the Braille Challenge. I love this. This is awesome. Yeah, great. So all three of you, thank you so much for joining us. And, um, you know, we'll look forward to hearing more about the challenge as the year goes on. Absolutely. So. Thank you, Lucy. Thank, Thank you for having us. us.